Mark Zuckerberg told The New Yorker the news source he definitely follows is TechMeme. So listen to the Tech Meme Ride Home podcast, the podcast anyone who's anyone in Silicon Valley listens to every day. In just 15 to 20 minutes, you get a rundown of what happened in the world of tech with all the headlines, context, commentaries, and tweets from all the biggest players. New episodes every day at 5 p.m. Eastern. Search your favorite podcast app for Ride Home and subscribe to the Tech Meme Ride Home podcast. Tired of spending hundreds of dollars for prescription glasses? Zenni offers thousands of affordable eyewear styles, starting at just $6.95. No ridiculous markups, no hassles, just quality, affordable eyewear delivered right to you. Visit Zenni today at zenni.com slash CNN. Good evening. We begin tonight keeping them honest with new evidence that the chairman of the House Intelligence Committee is not impartial on the Russia investigation. Evidence reinforcing already existing evidence that he is protecting the White House, not seeking the truth, and it comes straight from the chairman's own mouth. Words caught on tape suggesting he sees the role of House Republicans as shielding the president from Robert Mueller's investigation. MSNBC aired the secretly made recording, which it says was obtained by a progressive group called Fuse Washington at a private fundraiser for Congresswoman Kathy McMorris Rogers. Now, here's a portion. This is Congressman Nunez speaking, well, shall we say, his truth. So therein lies, so it's like your classic catch-22 situation where, I mean, we're at a, this is what puts us in such a tough spot. If Sessions won't not refuse and Mueller won't clear the president, we're the only one, which is really the danger. That's why I keep, and thank you for saying it, by the way, I mean, we have to keep all these things. We have to keep the majority. If we do not keep the majority, all of this goes away. Now, if this were an isolated statement, it might be seen differently, perhaps merely as a partisan politician at a partisan fundraiser making a partisan speech in the run-up to midterm elections. However, keep in mind, this is not one of a kind. It's really part of a pattern from Nunes. You'll remember, for example, the chairman's revelation, and we'll put that in quotes, back in March of last year that U.S. spy agencies had, in the chairman's words, quote, incidentally collected information about U.S. citizens involved in the Trump transition. He was, he said, alarmed by it. So alarmed that he rushed the White House to brief the president and reporters. And the president needs to know that this in, these intelligence reports are out there, and I have a duty to, to tell him that. Yeah, so it later turned out that he'd gotten those so-called intelligence reports from the White House itself, from a secret visit he'd made there the night before. And just to underscore, this stunt, which is what it was revealed to be, and these allegations, which were later refuted by Democrats and Republicans with knowledge of them, came just a couple weeks after the president famously tweeted this. Terrible. Just found out that Obama had my wires tapped in Trump Tower just before the victory. Nothing found. This is McCarthyism. Funny how that allegation neatly dovetails with the chairman's subsequent stunt. And again, this is not an isolated incident. Even after he was forced to recuse himself from his committee's Russia probe, he continued to influence it, quashing Democratic attempts to call witnesses and subpoena records. Additionally, he launched his own campaign to investigate the investigation itself and the people doing it, which also seemed to please the president, who gave him a big old attaboy. A very courageous man. He's courageous. Congressman Devin Nunes, thank you very much, Devin, for being here. Appreciate it. Well, back in February, Chairman Nunes released a memo alleging FBI and Justice Department wrongdoing in the surveillance of Carter Page. Here's the kind of response it got from leading Democrats. It's appalling. It's a, it's a misrepresentation. It isn't even the release of 
intelligence material. It's a release of a distortion uh, of it. Okay, so now you can discount that. You might expect the House's top Democrat to say that, of course. But how about a Republican? Say the president's handpicked FBI director. Here's how Christopher Wray uh, reacted in a statement from the Bureau. Quote, we have grave concerns about material omissions of fact that fundamentally impact the memo's accuracy. The FBI, run by the president's own Republican FBI director. Chairman Nunes is also at war with the president's own Deputy Attorney General Rod Rosenstein, threatening to impeach him for not providing enough records to Congress. Yet has been reported when some of those documents are provided, Nunes doesn't actually read them, nor will he answer many questions, at least not when he's outside the friendly confines of Fox News. That you stepped aside from this investigation. Just like you know already, I'm not going to talk about intelligence committee business. Did the White House have any role in your memo, sir? Democracy dies in darkness, my friend. Get to work. Do you still stand by the contents of your memo after the release of the application? Do you really think I'm going to talk to the uh, leading Democratic Party propaganda? Saucy. The chairman can say what he likes about the press, but keep in mind it's his own partisanship that's the issue here. Because the House Intelligence Committee is not just any committee. It's one of only two legislative bodies responsible for overseeing some of the most important agencies that we have and for keeping some of the deepest secrets we hold. So it matters whether or not a committee chairman is carrying water for their party or their president. It matters whether a chairman lives up to his words and sentiments like these. We will follow the facts where they lead, uh, and when we get enough facts, we will then uh, figure out a way to let the American people know. Oh, look, there he is giving an interview to Fox. There was reaction from a Nunes spokesman who tells CNN, and I'm quoting, it's unsurprising to see the left-wing media spin Chairman Nunes's routine observations as some nefarious plot since these same media outlets spent the last year and a half touting non-existent Russia collusion conspiracy. Joining us now, a Democratic member of the Intelligence Committee, Congressman Eric Swalwell of California. So, Congressman, you heard uh, your, your colleague, Chairman Nunes, essentially saying it's the job of congressional Republicans to protect the president from special counsel Mueller. Is it the job of lawmakers to protect the president? Good evening, Anderson. No. Our job is to protect our constituents and to protect the idea of democracy, that we can have free and fair elections and that no adversary ever would be able to disrupt that. And what I heard on that tape is exactly what I saw behind closed doors with the witnesses that Devin Nunes was unwilling to call, the subpoenas he was unwilling to issue for the records, and all of the efforts that he made to do everything he could to act as Donald Trump's fixer uh, in Congress. But now the American people can judge for themselves because they've now heard it for themselves. Right. I mean, he's saying it's his job to, to and, and Republicans' job to clear the president. Um, some people have, have been saying, look, this is just a, a partisan politician making a partisan speech at a fundraiser. To that, what do you say? Well, America was attacked by Russia, and they didn't attack uh, us to just screw around or test software. They attacked the idea of America that if you work hard here, you can make it anywhere here. And they want to undermine that so that idea doesn't go to Russia. So you would think that Republicans and Democrats would unite as an antidote toward that uh, attack and make sure it doesn't happen again. And every time we needed Devin Nunes to unite a committee that has always been bipartisan, he has chosen to put the president ahead of the country. And, and now the voters in 89 days uh, have an opportunity with a 33-year-old prosecutor in that community, Andrew Jans, uh, to go in a different direction and not make it about politics, but just about us and our country and our democracy. But look, I mean, I'm sure, you know, if it was a Democratic president, there would be Democrats who thought the same way about trying to protect their Democratic president. But the fact is, Congress is supposed to be... Not. I honestly hope not, Andrew. Yeah, well, um, but Congress is supposed yeah. to be a check and balance on the executive branch. I mean, 
Your colleague, Democratic Congressman Ted Lieu, tweeted that Chairman Nunes should resign for, quote, perverting the oath he took. I think that Paul Ryan, Speaker Ryan, should remove Devin Nunes from being the chairperson. Uh, but I don't think he should resign. I think that that's on his constituents. And if they also believe that, you know, we have a duty to protect our country above anyone else, they should vote him out on November 6th. And I, I hope they do. And they have a, a strong candidate uh, who I think will work in a bipartisan way, Andrew Jans, who will make sure this doesn't happen again. Armando Raja, a reporter you saw trying to get answers from Devin Nunes, has been trying to get a statement from Paul Ryan uh, on this all day. There's been, basically been radio silence. Should the House leadership, I mean, condemn these comments, in, in your opinion? I mean, you said that he should take him off the, the committee. Uh, Paul Ryan should condemn this because this goes to the corruption that Donald Trump promised Americans he would clean up. And when I go across the country or I talk to my own constituents, they're concerned about their health care, they're concerned about their paychecks, and they're concerned that nothing gets solved in Washington because it's all about power and corruption. And if we want to show the American people that's not what Washington is about and that they are empowered, we should get rid of a corrupt chairman who is doing everything he can to protect a president under investigation. That is something Paul Ryan could do right now. You really think he's corrupt? I, I think he's been corrupted with power, and he believes that his job is to protect President Trump. And our country suffers because of that. And Anderson, because the House Intelligence Committee chairman cannot show unity and protect us against future Russian attacks, as we speak right now, the Russians are attacking us. They're not afraid of us. They believe Devin Nunes and Donald Trump have given them green lights. And I think right now there's just too much corruption, and that's what this election is going to be about. Congressman mm. Swalwell, appreciate your time. Thank you. We want to get two more views now. Joining us, Republican strategist Rick Wilson, a best-selling author of Everything Trump Touches Dies, obviously not a fan of the president. Also with us is CNN political commentator Ken Cuccinelli, president of the Senate Conservatives Fund. Um, Rick, I mean, these comments by, by Nunes, are they really a surprise, considering all of Nunes's past behavior when it comes to defending the president uh, and, and, you know, the, the things we've seen him do? You know, Devin Nunes said out loud what everyone has known for a long time, and, and he admitted his culpability in an effort to obstruct the, the investigation of the ties of the president of the United States to Russia. I mean, this is a guy who is now facilitating um, what is essentially a conspiracy to obstruct justice and is essentially facilitating um, for political purposes only an investigation that could get into the, the heart of the Russian meddling in our elections. I think it was one of the most shocking. Th Look, I'm not surprised because Devin Nunez is about as intelligent as a bucket of warm spit. But I'm shocked that he did it in any room whatsoever where anyone could have had a recording device. This is 101 stuff. And this guy went out there and said the things that, that you know, have put him as a target now, as someone who is inordinately corrupt and someone who is, a, who is a aiding and abetting the obstruction of an investigation into Russian attacks on our country. Ken, I mean, is it the Chairman Nunes's and other Republicans a capital job to clear the president? Not to clear him, no, but he's, uh, he's come to the conclusion quite publicly that there wasn't collusion. That's different from the Russian attacks on our elections. And you heard the congressman just before us conflate the two. He jumped from one to the other quite smoothly. Frankly, the president messes himself up doing this, too. There is a difference between the two. And what Nevin Nunes is doing um, inelegantly, I will grant you, is just the Republican side of the Democrats who are out to say, elect me so I can impeach the president. You've got one of their biggest donors in Tom Steyer funding exactly that kind of a program. This is an element of the campaign this year. 
it is an element of the campaign, whether it should be or not, and I think not, um, it is on both sides of the aisle. One side wants, they're selling impeaching the president, and the other side is selling protecting the president from impeachment. That's just the reality well, of this election, and it isn't new. Rick? Well, Ken, uh, you know, I, I want to say this very clearly. Devin Nunez did not come to the conclusion that there was no collusion with Russia or conspiracy to engage in a, in, with Russia. He has simply said that he's going to stop any investigation that could lead to that. We're never going to find out if we've got Devin Nunez in charge of this. This is the proverbial fox in the hen house problem. And, and Nunez is, has stated over and over again um, you know, that, that he's, he's gone out with these wild claims about unmasking and about all these secret reports that he's produced, and they've all been completely non-entities. They've all been nothing burgers of the worst kind. And now, you know, we see the secret agenda underneath all of this theater he's been engaged in, and that agenda is to protect the, Don the, 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 protect the Donald Trump presidency no matter what. This is not his job as a sworn member of, the, of Congress. They swear to uphold the Constitution. They're a co-equal branch of government. Can I know you know that? They are a co-equal branch of government with responsibilities to the Thanks Constitution. The They're not a bunch of junior managers at a Trump golf club trying to make the boss happy. Look, they, Devin Nunes can easily, and he appears to, believe he is doing both of those things. He, of course, has not said what you just said he said. He has said that the president hasn't colluded with the Russians. That is his conclusion. You may not agree with that conclusion. You're waiting for actual evidence to show up of it. Even My God, it evidence. <laughs> Why would we want that? <laughs> and then, and then, and then, uh, and then, of course, the continuing rhetorical problem of people on both sides of the aisle that conflate the Russian involvement in our elections, plural, and the question of collusion of which there is no right, but, but can yet. the president himself and I don't know continues how much to call the Mueller investigation a witch hunt? Right. Evidence of that. Right. Ken, as you and, pointed and out, the president continues. Ken, as you pointed out, Ken, as you event, pointed out. Me, can I finish? No, because you pointed out as the president. impeachment is impeachment is a political undertaking. Ken, as Even you point, in the Constitution, Ken, you can keep going. I'm going to ask you this question. As you pointed out, the president continues to call the, the Mueller investigation a witch hunt. He's not talking about the allegation of collusion. He's talking about the entire thing as a witch hunt. Devin Nunes in that tape says that if, if Sessions doesn't unrecuse himself, if Mueller won't clear the president, it's up to, to House Republicans. That doesn't sound like well, a co-equal branch of government. That's, that's the conclusion he's come to. Well, and he's done right, that he, he, insofar as he has the authority to do it. Right, but he the hasn't Senate seen any of the Mueller evidence. Uh, well, that's that's not completely true. There's overlapping evidence that they have, that the Mueller folks have. But, right. but, but look, he has not we're, seen we're all of the Mueller evidence. down the road than happened in Watergate, and there still isn't evidence of collusion, and that's because there wasn't collusion. There was involvement by the Russians in the election, but that's not collusion. So, so you, you, you're you saying election. that based on you've seen the Mueller evidence? No, I've seen what you've seen. Okay, Anderson. so we don't know. Let's not we don't, we, be trivial yeah. about no, this. No, no, I'm and, just and saying, look, so we don't know and you don't know. let the double standard. The double standard in 2012 when we had a president lean over and say to the president of Russia, hey, let's right. deal differently before the election, and when we get past my election, I'll go easy on you. That's well, what President I, Obama I'll, said. I'll, I'll see you on a hot mic. 
Ken, I'll see you in Razio with the president and, and of the Oval Office with a collusion. Russian spy. That was actual collusion. Ken, I'll see you in Razio, the president of the United States in the Oval Office with a Russian spy and a Russian ambassador saying, oh, I fired Comey to get the pressure of Russia off of me. And a president whose son met with and said, if, if, if what you're bringing me is what I think it is, I love it met with representatives of the Russian government and who and who then lied about that meeting persistently and who, who and in fact the president of the United States wrote a statement or helped to write a statement lying about that meeting to cover up the conspiracy and the collusion I think I think we've got a lot more a lot more trail to travel down with the evidence that that the Mueller investigation has been gathering and what you saw in this meeting with Devin Nunez this recording of Devin Nunez he doesn't care he, Devin Nunes could have a videotape of Vladimir Putin handing Trump a bag of cash, and he would say, "No, we have to protect the president. No, we're going to we're going to block any investigation. No, we're going to try to get the the deputy attorney general fired, so that so that we can have our people short circuit an investigation into the president's relationships with Russia and their investigation of the of the interference, which is part and parcel of the president's team colluding with Russia in this election." Ken, I want you to be able to respond. Then we got to go. Yeah, this does appear to be a, where you end up depends on where you start. Rick starts with, you heard the book title, and, and I am a truth finder, a truth seeker. I've also litigated in the FISA court, um, so the unmasking is a serious deal to me. This, there is no collusion right, here. But, but you can't say that because you haven't seen the evidence. You, you say you care about what happens in court. You have not and seen it, the evidence. Anderson, I answered that question. Asked and answered, Your Honor. The, 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 right, but you're saying but there's no collusion, so but you haven't far, seen the evidence. Which was my so, qualifier... Uh -huh. What we've seen so far in spending more time than was spent in Watergate is no evidence yet. Okay. So you don't have any either. You're describing a very, right. very circumstances. We do not no have evidence. the evidence. I, I, I'm just saying we should, I mean, as Americans all wait for the investigation to conclude, and as a law enforcement officer, I assume you believe the same thing. Yes, and I just think all, all the information they need is available at this point. What else okay. is there to get? All right, Ken Cuccinelli, appreciate it. Rick Wilson as well. For the record, Thanks, we requested Devin Nunes for tonight, of course. He did not respond to our request. Coming up next, new clues in the court to what Robert Mueller may be up to with Paul Manafort's ex-partner and where the Russian investigation could be going. Also, why citizenship for the First Lady's parents is drawing attention to how they got here in the first place, which just so happens to be through a door their son-in-law, the president, is trying to slam shut for others. Later, Spike Lee on his acclaimed new film, Black Klansman, and how the true story from decades ago rings terribly true today. Tired of spending hundreds of dollars for prescription glasses? Our friends at Zenni Optical offer a huge variety of high-quality, stylish frames and state-of-the-art optics starting at just $6.95. You can get multiple frames with this great pricing for less than one pair elsewhere. Start building your eyewear wardrobe from the comfort of your own home at Zenni.com. With the latest trends in eyewear, available in hundreds of frame styles and materials, there isn't a better way to change it up for every season. Plus, Zenni offers prescription sunglasses at incredible prices. Visit Zenny today at zenny.com slash CNN. That's Z-E-N-N-I dot com slash CNN. The judge in the Paul Manafort tax and bank fraud case has made plenty of headlines so far today. He made headlines for admitting he was wrong. That wasn't the only piece of news from the courtroom. The other big item about the government star witness Rick Gates could signal just how important Mueller uh, still believes he is. Our Jim Shudo has more on that. Joins us now from the courthouse. So what are you learning about a discussion that lawyers had with the judge about Gates? Well, Anderson, as, as the president continues to attack the whole Mueller investigation as a witch hunt uh, that, that's run its course, we learn more evidence that, in fact, uh, the, the 
focus of this investigation beyond the Manafort trial, the question of Russian interference and the question of whether the Trump campaign cooperated with that Russian interference is still an open investigation. There was some testimony on Tuesday uh, where Rick Gates, of course, the former deputy campaign chairman uh, for the Trump campaign, was questioned about his interviews, more than 20 interviews with the special counsel. The prosecutor here said he wanted that testimony kept secret because, as the prosecutor described in papers presented to the judge, that relates to an ongoing criminal investigation in his words. What are the two lines of investigation the special counsel looking at? Mueller's, uh, rather, Manafort's financial crimes, as we've been following these last few days here at court, but also Russian interference. And was there any cooperation from the Trump campaign? By the prosecutor saying there uh, that that is part of an ongoing criminal investigation, you get an indication that that line of inquiry, at least, is still not closed, Anderson. That's fascinating. There, there have also been clashes between prosecutors and the judge in the case. The judge, at one point, admitting he was wrong. What else did he say? You're right. You know, and that's been one of the interesting qualities of this trial here. Judge Ellis is a very vocal judge. I've been inside that courtroom, as he is at times, chastised the prosecutor almost like a, a school teacher telling him to look at him in the eye and give a yes answer instead of a yeah answer. But there, but there was a moment yesterday where the judge uh, disputed the prosecution's ability to keep a expert witness inside the courtroom, in this case, a former IRS agent, an expert tax witness. Of course, the crimes alleged here involve tax evasion. The prosecutor said, wait a second, judge, you, you, you approved of this decision earlier. Just look at the transcript. So lo and behold, they look at the transcript uh, and the judge did, in fact, approve that. So today, a bit of a mea culpa from the judge saying, you're right. Mm. I did say that it was OK. You know, my fault. My bad. All right. Jim Shido, thanks very much. Coming up now, a happy moment for First Lady Melania Trump. Victor and Amalia Kanaus were granted citizenship today. They're the parents of Melania Trump. However, what's obviously a big day for her and her parents is also drawing attention to the president's controversial calls to end the immigration policy that brought them here. You see, according to a source with direct knowledge, Melania Trump did what so many children do. She sponsored her parents' green cards. This type of family visa is exactly the type that President Trump is trying to eliminate. He calls it chain migration. Under the current broken system, a single immigrant can bring in virtually unlimited numbers of distant relatives. We want to get rid of chain migration. Ending chain migration. Ending chain migration. You have chain migration. This was the Schumer deal. Schumer wanted this. We have to get rid of chain migration. All of these things we've been talking about. A guy comes in and then you have to bring his aunt, his uncle, his father, his grandfather, his grandparents. A total disaster which threatens our security and our economy. His third by a different marriage and provides a gateway for terrorism they think it's good politically i'll tell you what i think it's horrible politically what do i know but i did become president in like a year and a half. well the first uh, in-laws attorney calls it family reunification not chain migration and a bedrock of immigration policy the first lady's office has declined to comment more on all of this now from nj lee who joins us now so what else can you tell us about the process the first lady's parents went through to become citizens today 
Well, Anderson, we're really learning for the first time today how Melania Trump's parents came to this country and became American citizens uh, earlier today. A source with knowledge tells me that it was, in fact, the first lady who sponsored her parents, Victor and Amalia Naus, for their green cards. And to be clear, and as you made clear, uh, this is not out of the ordinary. This is a way that many Americans bring their family members to this country. Uh, the first lady's parents, as you know, are from Slovenia. Uh, we've seen them around Washington, D.C. Sometimes they travel with the president and the first lady. But up until today, we didn't have clarity on how it was that they had gotten their green cards. Well, it turns out the first lady took advantage of a family migration policy like so many others do in this country so that her parents could settle down here. And, and this is obviously all in contrast from the president's own position. Has the White House anything to, to say about the, the disconnect? Yeah, you know, I think it's it's incredibly noteworthy that Melania Trump did this for her parents, uh, and this is a practice that her husband, the president, uh, does not like. Uh, in fact, we've heard President Trump, we, you just played a great clip there, uh, rail against his family migration policy many, many times. Uh, he refers to it as chain migration, and that particular type of family visa is actually a category that Trump wants to get rid of altogether because he says uh, they are harmful to this country. Now, the First Lady's office is not uh, commenting on any of this. Uh, however, we do have a statement from Victor and, um, and Amalia Naus's uh, immigration lawyer, Michael Wilde. He told me uh, earlier today, uh, he said, I can't comment on the president's uh, politics when it comes to my clients, but I have stood up against the president's immigration policies personally. Uh, so you're seeing a real disconnect here between the president's policy views on this and the fact that his wife has taken advantage of that very policy for her parents. Anderson. All right. MJ Lee, appreciate it. A source close to the White House tells CNN that President Trump is scheduled to have dinner tonight with his personal lawyer, Rudy Giuliani. This in the middle of the ongoing back and forth about whether, in fact, the president will agree to be interviewed by the special counsel. Pros and cons of that ahead. Remember, to create an ad like this one, visit purewinning.com slash CNN. A source close to the White House is telling CNN that President Trump and his TV lawyer, Rudy Giuliani, are having dinner tonight at the president's golf resort in New Jersey. Seems certain they'll have a lot to discuss, what with the ongoing negotiations about a possible presidential interview with special counsel Robert Mueller, including the notion from the president's own attorney that the Mueller team somehow limit the areas of questioning, citing fears of what they call a perjury trap. Joining me is Professor Emeritus at Harvard Law School, Alan Dershowitz, author of The Case Against Impeaching Trump, and CNN legal analyst Kerry Cordero. Professor Dershowitz, what's Rudy Giuliani's strategy here, do you think? I mean, limiting the scope of the questions to prevent the president from falling into what he calls a perjury trap. Can you envision Mueller agreeing to that? No, I can't. And I think the strategy has been for Giuliani to make Mueller an offer he can't accept, to paraphrase the godfather. That satisfies everybody on the Trump team. Trump says he wants to testify. All of his lawyers are unanimous in saying he shouldn't testify. So the end result of making uh, Mueller an offer that he can't accept is for Mueller to be the one who turns down the deal. Trump then says, hey, I wanted to talk to Mueller. It was Mueller's fault. He didn't accept a reasonable offer from my lawyers. And we're off to subpoena land. Kerry, what, what do you make of, of that? Because, I mean, isn't the easiest way to prevent a so-called perjury trap to just tell the truth? 
Well, that's correct. I mean, part of the issue is whether or not the president really intends to testify and or be interviewed voluntarily by the special counsel's office. If he doesn't really want to be interviewed, um, which the longer this has dragged out, it appears to be, then the strategy that Alan just described, I think, is accurate, that they're really just playing a game, which is more for PR purposes, to make it appear that he wants to be cooperative, when really what they want is just to drag it out and force the special counsel to issue a subpoena. The allegation that it is a perjury trap really is silly because if the president had a story that he wanted to tell, there would be no risk of perjuring himself. Professor, let me ask you about that let perjury trap idea. Let, well, let me okay. ask you about the perjury yeah. trap idea because, I mean, sure. if the president has, as he insists, nothing to hide and he's done nothing wrong, why all this brinksmanship about the interview? Isn't the country owed a full accounting of what happened? It's not the American public's fault that the president, you know, has had a, a, a disconnect from the truth. Well, first of all, no lawyer ever puts the interests of the United States above the interests of his country. There was a famous barrister in 1815 named Brougham who said, I have to put the interests of my client over the interests of the country. There are a lot of other people who put the interests of the country first. Let me explain to you why every lawyer you will ask, every defense lawyer would give you the same answer, that he would be walking into a perjury trap. Let's assume he's asked one question. Did you know about the meeting in the Trump Tower with your son? And let's assume he honestly didn't know. And he answers that question honestly. No, I didn't know. We know there's already one witness who said, yes, he did know. That witness is Cohen. Cohen may be lying. But at that point, the perjury trap has been sprung. And Mueller could theoretically charge him with perjury for telling the truth. So you never advise a client to answer a question truthfully if there's someone else who will answer the question differently and that person may be believed by the prosecutor. That's what we mean by a perjury trap. Kerry, does that seem, I mean, viable to you? Because, it, 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 I mean, first of all, the, you're, you're referencing Michael Cohen, who had said that there were other people present in the room. If there's not actual documentation... Why would the prosecution just decide randomly to side with Michael Cohen, who, by the way, has lied publicly about other stuff? Well, first of all, we don't even know publicly whether or not Michael Cohen has been interviewed in any way. So using Michael Cohen as an example doesn't comport with someone else who has been interviewed under oath or in front of investigative agents or before the grand jury. But I think the bigger point is that if the president had a story that he wanted to tell, then they would want to submit to a voluntary interview. Most criminal defendants, I agree that most criminal defendants um, or criminal subjects, I should say, excuse me, would not want to be interviewed voluntarily. They would be interviewed pursuant to a subpoena and they were or they would be requested to come in before the grand jury. So I think mm -hmm. the president's legal advice is consistent with what most subjects of an investigation would do. The difference is that he's the president of the United States and publicly his team has said that there's no reason that he should not be able to tell his side of the story. Professor Dershowitz, I mean, for Giuliani to say that if this investigation isn't over by September 1st, Mueller would be in violation of the Justice Department's rules, there actually isn't any DOG rule. It's, I mean, it's customary, but not codified anywhere. Do, do you acknowledge that Giuliani himself, a former U.S. attorney, is, is kind of over his skis on this? No, I don't think so, because I think the one thing Mueller doesn't want to become is Comey. 
He doesn't want to be accused of having influenced the election. I'm told that Mueller was furious at Comey when Comey did what he did before the election last time, even though they're close friends. And the last thing he wants to do is be accused of having any influence on the midterms. Alan Dershowitz, Kerry Cordero, thanks so much. I want to give you a quick uh, update on a story we've been following closely. Nearly 11 months after Hurricane Maria devastated the island of Puerto Rico, the official death toll is still only 64. But now, finally, the Puerto Rican government is admitting that the actual number of deaths may be closer to 1,400. We should point out CNN had to sue the government of Puerto Rico to get access to mortality statistics. And according to some researchers who took part in a study by Harvard and other schools, the Puerto Rican government was less than helpful in providing any access to their stats. In a report to Congress, the government now says documents show 1,427 more deaths than normal occurred in the four months after the storm hit in September of 2017. Officials say that's only an estimate and haven't officially updated the death toll. The study by Harvard and others had previously shown the deaths could be even higher than the 1,400 figure. President Trump has repeatedly praised the federal response to Hurricane Maria. Well, the president also figures in uh, this story. The National Park Service says it has approved a permit for the group called Unite the Right to stage a rally this coming Sunday across the street from the White House. The rally comes a year after a white nationalist rally in Charlottesville, Virginia, left one counter-protester dead. According to the permit, the speakers will include the organizer of that rally, along with former Grand Wizard of the KKK, David Duke, who just happens to be a character in Spike Lee's new movie. Coming up, I'll talk with Spike Lee about race, the president, and his new film about an African-American police officer infiltrating the KKK. True story. We'll be right back. I'm Andy Katz from March Madness 365, and on this edition of our show, I'll be joined by Syracuse's Tyus Battle. I've been just trying to improve all facets of my game, just being able to be more offensive, throwing the ball different ways, shooting the ball, I think that's improved, and uh, just my playmaking ability as well. Subscribe to March Madness 365 now at Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Well, there's a rally planned in Washington this coming Sunday by a white nationalist group called Unite the Right. It's scheduled for Lafayette Park directly across the street from the White House. Now, Unite the Right was the group that organized last year's neo-Nazi and white supremacist rally in Charlottesville, Virginia, when violence broke out and one counter-protester was mowed down and killed, allegedly by a white supremacist driving his car. Among the planned speakers at this rally is David Duke, the former Grand Wizard of the Ku Klux Klan. As it happens, Duke is a key character in Spike Lee's amazing new movie, Black Klansman, which is based on the story of an African-American Colorado police detective who infiltrated the Klan back in the 1970s. And yes, it is based on a true story. Spike Lee is on the cover of this week's Time magazine. I'm very happy that he is with me now. That's your first cover of Time magazine? Ever. I would have expected like three or four by now. Nah, son. (laughs) Um... First of all, I got to ask you about your T-shirt. God protect Robert Mueller. Did you make that yourself? No, but uh, a couple of people talking. So uh, there's a history in this country. So I just hope that God puts his hands on him and he has to do what he has to do to the end. I want to ask you about this film because I went to see it um, a couple of months ago, actually. And it's it's a it's a period film it's in the 70s did you had you first of all had you ever heard of this story before because no no uh Jordan, Tell, explain what Jordan it's about Peele, call me out of the dim blue sky have a project for you so what is it in six words he pitched it black man infiltrates kkk and you were you like i'm in that's it yeah i was in i said is it true uh uh-huh. he says it's true because automatically i thought the 
the great David Chappelle. Right, the David Chappelle skit. Right. But so, just very briefly, this is a, a African American police officer. Uh, Ron Stoller. Right. First African-American on this police force. In Colorado Springs. In Colorado Springs. And Jackie he, Robinson. He sees an ad for the KKK in the newspaper, calls them up, right. and starts talking to them. No, he left a message. He left a message, okay. But he left his name. Uh-huh. To call him back. So the premise is that he needs a white Ron Stoller to play him in person. And that's the David uh, Adam Driver's Adam Driver's right. character. So, it's set in the seventies. Seventies. Um, and, and I mean, it's so evocative of that time. But I mean, man, it is so timely today. I mean, yes. that's the thing that just blows you away when you're sitting there watching this. Is that what you? Well, that was the plan uh, with my co-writer Kevin Wilmot. We did not want this just to be a history lesson. We wanted, even though it takes place in the seventies, we still wanted to be contemporary. Mm-hmm. So a lot of things, phrase and stuff like that. That was said way before the 70s, where they were saying then, and then now you hear them today in, in uh, the lexicon of, of politics and, I mean, and these guys in office. It's one of the things that's so startling about the film is, you know, we like to think about we've evolved and things change, and, it, 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 you know, I mean, things, this doesn't go away. The, the, I mean, the, the, the questions of race, the, the divisions, you know, it doesn't go away. Well... I've been in, I've been in this show many years, you know, talking about the same thing. But the thing, I know I might be giving a, a spoiler alert, but I was in Molly's Vineyard August 12th. And I watched what I feel is homegrown American red, white, and blue terrorism. You're talking about last year at the Charlottesville. Yes. August 12th. And my house... In my other vision, it's the 18th hole. So I knew Obama was coming because I see the Secret Service in the trees, you know, for the, the tee off the 18th hole. So yeah. he, he, you know, he's on the golf course, turns his phone off, four hours just relax. So he didn't, I, when I told him, he, had, he hadn't heard about it. You Trump. went up to him and told, and told him? He hadn't heard about it. Hmm. What'd you say to him? I, I remember exactly, but it was, I, I don't want to give him a whole thing, but I just said, you need to, I want to tell you this because I, because I thought he heard, you didn't hear about it. Mm. And the film, Black Clans, is opening on the one year anniversary of Charlottesville. And that was intentional. That was an, important to you. Very much so. I think that uh, what happened there, here's the thing for me. The President of the United States had a chance, Anderson, to denounce hate, hate groups. The whole world saw what happened, and he didn't do it. Said there's very good, there, there's good people on on both sides. That Friday night, you know, there, there was a the Friday night, the Tiki Torch rally right. to, to go to the uh, the Robert E. Lee statue. I mean, these were young white males, hundreds of them. This is in the the Vice video, yeah. chanting "Jews will not replace us, blood and soil," which is an old Nazi slogan. Uh-huh. The idea that it's I mean, they're not wearing masks. Swat stickers left and right. Right. The, the, I mean, does it, did it surprise even, I mean, you, you focused on, look, you've done so many films in, about race and, and race in America. Did that even surprise you, though? The, the, how blatant it was? No. You know why? Because since this guy's got in the White House, it's not even a dog whistle. It's a bullhorn. And, and then also, 
Anderson, we've seen a rise of the right. It's not just America, it's worldwide. So this thing has happened worldwide. One of the things that um, LeBron James said in that interview with, with Don Lemon the other night, uh, he was talking about he believes that the president has created an environment where, where people who hold toxic views or racist views feel more empowered than ever before to, get, to give voice to them. They got the green light from the White House. You think it, it filters down from the top that way? From the top, runs down. Mexicans, all Mexicans are rapists. We'd go be here for three hours just doing research and saying all the statements, the hateful statements he said. He said over... So what do you there. hope people get from the, the film? I'm very leery of providing providing takeaways. Mm-hmm. I respect the audience intelligence too much, but I think there's if we just look at this film and look at the ending, mm. we got to do better. We got to do better. The, I mean, I'm not going to say what the ending of the film is, but I mean, I uh, it is the Charlottesville. When I saw when the theater I was watching it in, I mean. Uh, you could have heard a pin drop, uh, and and afterward, I mean, just the the impact. Of that it. was one of the things we want to do: connect the past to the present. Mm-hmm. And I like to say at this time, uh, God bless Susan Bro. It's coming up the one anniversary of the, the loss of her daughter again, in a a terrible act of American terrorism. We're gonna, she no longer has a daughter because of that. Yeah, we're, she'll, we'll be talking to her t- tomorrow. The the um, you have kids. Do you do you, do you have these? Com- I mean, do you have these conversations? Oh yes, we do because uh, I had these conversations with my parents. Mm. We were little. One of my most it's not a fond memory, but. April 1968, I'm in front of my stoop in Brooklyn, New York, and I hear a woman screaming, screaming the top of her lungs. And then as her voice gets closer, I said, that sounds, my, that sounds like my mother. And then as she got closer, she was screaming, they murdered Dr. King. Mm. They murdered Dr. King. They murdered Dr. King. So I'm, I'm 61, so I was, I was in a sweet spot. I mean, I was... Young enough to see everything, not old enough to go to Vietnam. Mm. And so I was all during the turbulence of the 60s and 70s. I was right there in Brooklyn, you know, taking it all in. Do you, um, would you want to sit down with Donald Trump? No. And have a a conversation? I'm calling back. I don't use his name either. Mm. Agent Orange. That's what you... (laughs) Got it from Buster Rhymes. Shout out to Brooklyn Buster. (laughs) Do you, do you consider him your president? No. Might be Putin. <laughs> Do you... Um, <laughs> I get the next one. <laughs> so what... So what um, you look kind of shook, Anderson. I'm a little shook. No, I mean, I got to tell you, I, I find the movie... I mean, I was, I was shaken by the film. And, Thank, you. And, um, Thank you very much. Uh, you know, when I thought of it as a period piece, I thought, oh, it's a look back. And, but it's just so... It, there's such relevance today. I think that's what... If I could say it, I think that's what people responded to. That it's not just history lesson. That even though it takes place in the 70s, it's, it's, it's also the world we live in, the topsy turvy, crazy, insane world we live in today. Mm. Uh, Spike Lee, it's always good to talk to you. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate it. Thank you. I want to check in with Chris, uh, see what he's working on for Cuomo Primetime, the top of the hour. Chris? Listening to you is what I'm doing, talking to Spike. 
Uh, I think you do the right thing when you confront the conversations, Anderson. They're not easy to have. Obviously, they're not even easy for us to have sometimes. But we have to talk about what is real in this country because we're seeing what happens when you don't. It winds up getting harnessed and weaponized anyway. Mm. The same issues wind up getting used. The film is important. The anniversary coming up is important. And God forbid uh, that this stupid idea of having yet another set of unify the whatever they're called with these uh, with these demonstrations they want to have to mark this anniversary. We'll be watching it. We're going to be talking about it tonight as well. And we're going to be testing power tonight. Everybody's talking about Chris Kobach, the secretary of state of Kansas. Trump made that governor's primary for the GOP into an entire different echelon of election by getting involved. He's on our show tonight and he's got a lot for us to ask him about. So we'll have the show with him tonight. We're also going to take through uh, the reality of what's going on in Puerto Rico and what the president owes the people there. Yeah, uh, Chris, appreciate it. Nine minutes from now. Thanks very much. More than 20 lawmakers are asking the president to immediately declare a disaster in California because of wildfires burning throughout the state. I'll speak to Congressman Mike Thompson about that next. Hey, it's Howard Beck, and I've got former NBA champion and current Yes analyst Richard Jefferson on Bleacher Report's The Full 48. For me, winning the championship just validated, you know, me from a standpoint of like, all I ever wanted to do was win. All I ever wanted to do was win on a high, high level. And so to get that, then it just made everything feel like it was worth it. The Full 48 is now available on Spotify. And of course, you can always listen and subscribe on the Bleacher Report app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. As firefighters in California continue to battle more than a dozen fires, a group of lawmakers is asking for a disaster declaration. More than 20 members of the House are asking the president to immediately grant the request because of the catastrophic scope of the destructive wildfires. It includes the Mendocino Complex fire in Northern California, which as of this morning had burned more than 304,000 acres. It's the largest fire in the history of California. Joining me now is Congressman Mike Thompson. Congressman, thanks for being with us. I'm sorry it's under these circumstances. The, the president has declared a state of emergency in California. You're urging him to do more, declare a major disaster declaration. Can you just explain what that distinction means and how it would help fighting these fires? Well, th thank you, Anderson. Uh, in, in my district, and you, you, you nailed it, uh, over 300,000 acres uh, burning that Mendocino complex fire. Uh, we've had good support from the federal government. Uh, the uh, local assistance grants from the federal government have been there to help us fight the fire. Uh, but we also need help in, uh, in addressing all the problems associated with it. Uh, the public assistance, the uh, uh, shared financial responsibility between the uh, state, local, and federal government, and the individual assistance that will allow people to get the help they need uh, to rebuild their home and to get back in their home. This is, this is just a, a terrible situation. And in my county of Lake, this is the fourth year in a row that we've had major forest fires. And uh, pe people are devastated by this. And we really need the president to uh, declare uh, the uh, disaster and to uh, be uh, forthcoming with the, all the federal resources uh, that we can muster. I know you and other lawmakers sent the letter to the president two days ago. Have, have you heard anything back as of yet on it? 
I've been in contact with uh, FEMA. Uh, we've been in contact with the White House. Uh, it's running its course, but the president could do a world of good uh, by just stepping it up and, uh, and making the declaration now. There's a lot of lives depending upon this. It would make life much easier in these devastated areas. And, and folks really need the security of knowing that their federal government's with them. You know, one of the things the president has said about this, and I'm wondering how concerned, if you were concerned about what the president tweeted several, several days ago, that it was a lack of water uh, is to blame for the difficulty in containing the fires, because every fire official I've talked to has said that that's simply not the case. It's not a problem of water. Well, we have the water that we need, and, and I'd really like that uh, President and everybody else to uh, stop tweeting and focus on the disaster at hand. Uh, folks, in need help. People need help. Our communities need help. And that's what we should be focusing on. In, in terms of your own district constituents, how are they doing tonight? Well, they're, they're doing a little better. Uh, people are re, uh, repopulating their homes, uh, but we still have a fire that is not contained. Uh, it won't be contained for another uh, another month. Uh, it's it's burning, uh, and we have uh, red flag warnings again tonight, and this could exacerbate the situation. And uh, today we had a, another fire breakout in another part of my district in, in Napa. So this is an ongoing threat. Uh, the fuel load is very, very heavy. Heavy. Uh, resources are stretched. Uh, we've got uh, so many firefighters, so many uh, aircraft and, uh, and pieces of equipment out there. Uh, we really can't. Uh, we, we really can't uh, sustain a lot of this. We, we we need we need the help from the federal government. Uh, the people that I represent want to know uh, that their federal government is with them and will be with them uh, through this uh, terrible time. Well, certainly uh, our thoughts and our prayers are with not only everybody affected by this fire, but all the men and women. Uh, on the fire line who are working around the clock. I know your son is a firefighter who could be drawn up to deliver mutual aid if necessary. Um, I mean, the firefighters just don't get enough credit, and, and it's just it's extraordinary what they're doing, just working around the clock. So we, we appreciate you being on, Congressman Thompson. Thank you so much. Well, thank you, and thank you for mentioning the first responders. The community has been fantastic. First responders are real heroes and heroines. They're out there every day. Their life is on the line uh, for their community. So yeah. thank you, Anderson. All right, Congressman, we wish you the best. The news continues right now. I want to hand it over to Chris. Cuomo Primetime starts now. Chris? Are you ready to learn how to build a better consulting or professional services company? Then download the Liston.io show for the best sales and marketing advice so you can deliver your services to the people who need you the most. On the show, I'll be interviewing the smartest people in the industry to share what they know about building a better consulting business. I'll also give you episodes where I tell you specifically how to sell your services with confidence and how to transform into an influential leader in your industry. Your happy clients probably want to help you. It's too hard for them right now. You're asking them to do too much of the selling that you should be doing. Yeah, it's going to move. It's going to change. It's going to disrupt you at some point in time. Your most loyal clients are your most profitable. Ready to learn how other people are building the consulting company you've always wanted? Download the Liston.io show spelled L-I-S-T-O-N dot I-O wherever you get your podcasts. Before you go, we wanted to let you know that we just launched the ability for anyone to advertise on CNN Podcasts. You're just a few clicks away from reaching millions of people in a way that you never have before. Advertise for a business event or kick off an awareness campaign for your brand. Start today at purewinning.com slash CNN. 
Integrating podcasts into your marketing mix has never been easier. Go to purewinning.com slash CNN to get started.